You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, generate, generate content, and grow brand awareness. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Alex Kelly. Alex is Director of Digital Marketing at Seros, a company that provides tools and services that empower other companies to create more interactive digital content. Alex, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So our topic today is what B2B content marketers can learn from musicians. And we're talking about that because you yourself are a musician. You have a background in music. In fact, on your LinkedIn page, it says that music has taught you to approach marketing in a way that balances the creative and analytical elements. So first, tell us a little bit about your musical background, and then we can break that down, like what, what you mean by that on LinkedIn. Yeah, of course. Yeah, music has always played a, a really important part of my life. I was a exceptionally introverted child, the kind of kid that, that never raised their hand in class, that many of my classmates had very rarely heard me speak, but music was always this outlet for me. It was always a, an opportunity to both engage creatively with, with something, but also to be able to put myself out there and, and be able to, to create something that others actually wanted to interact with. And you know, I, I ended up getting my degree in music in college. It was, it was something that I, I wanted to pursue and, and continue to study. And uh, especially not knowing what I wanted to do with my life, it was sort of, well, I really enjoy music and I want to spend more time here. So that was, that's why I decided to, to spend those, those years really diving into composition and theory and, and history, ethnomusicology and all of these other areas that were just you know, really interesting, um, you know, facets of, of my just sort of inherent desire to continue playing and creating mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and making music with others. Mm hmm. Okay. And so, and now today you're a, a leader of, in, in a B2B marketing capacity. So now again, this, and, and this is really what brought up this topic, this language on LinkedIn, that it's through music that you, that's really shaped your approach to marketing and balancing the creative and analytical elements. So mm -hmm. tell, explain, explain what you mean by that. Yeah, I mean marketing like like a, a lot of things, and, and we we talk about this a lot at Saros. It's it's language we use quite often. It's this marriage of art and science. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, when you think about music, there is this very creative aspect to it. It is an art form. It is sort of pure creation in a lot of respects, but it is rooted in in science. There is a a both an analytical facet to learning how to create music and how to analyze a piece of music and understand what is and isn't working about a particular piece of music. But there's also the fundamental backing science of how these sounds actually resonate with one another and what that unlocks for us as, as human beings. And, you know, different regions and different, different cultures have very different perspectives on what sounds are appealing or you know, play into their musical styles. But it is all rooted in the science of sound and these actual harmonic tones playing off one another or connecting with one another to unlock something else in, in terms of what that music can can unveil. So marketing is very similar. I mean, the, the, when you think about the um, the analytical approach to understanding, how do I understand whether or not something is working with my marketing and whether a message is landing, whether our overarching 
campaigns are having an effect on an audience. We often as marketers, and I've been in digital and demand gen roles for the last you know 10 or some odd years. And a lot of that is rooted in what are our KPIs? How are we measuring the impact of our efforts? Are we generating leads? Are we generating signups for a product? Ultimately, are we driving revenue for the business? All of those are very scientific and analytical ways of viewing your marketing. But we also need to take the lens of, you know, to, to be sort of broad about it, artists. We need to be creative in the way that we approach the message and how we actually garner attention from our audiences. So it is this very interesting marriage of the artistic side with the analytical and scientific side. There is a very tangible outcome, but there's also the emotional side of marketing that we need to tap into in order to actually drive action and drive a behavior. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now music, <clears throat> I think another area of similarity is that music can be and often is highly collaborative. Mm -hmm. When you're playing with music with other, other people, you're in a band or an orchestra or whatever. And of course, marketing, especially content marketing is by its nature, highly collaborative. So what can marketers learn from musicians about that collaborative process? Yeah. Music is a very highly collaborative art. And I, I've been always in more, not always, but I've, I've been very frequently in smaller group ensembles, groups of musicians who are looking to create something larger than themselves. Right. And some of that is in, is in, you know, jazz ensembles I've been a part of, I've been a part of bands with friends and just all of us are looking to create something and all of us want to bring something unique in terms of our perspective or our likes and dislikes. And all of that feeds into this bigger piece, this bigger movement that we are looking to create together. It's not about me. It's not about any one of us. It's about what are we creating? Well, collectively together, content marketing is very similar. We need to figure out both what are our collective experiences that we want to put into this and any one piece of content that you're creating is oftentimes not a facet of just my perspective and what I want to put out in the world, especially when you're creating on behalf of a business. If you're just creating yourself on social media, that's a little bit different. But oftentimes as a business, we need to engage sales representatives for perspective, product representatives for figuring out how we actually frame something accurately for how the product functionality works, designers and creatives to figure out how do we package this in a way that's going to resonate with this audience? And how do we draw eyeballs to the right moments of that experience? You know, marketers on distribution and other channels, specialists on how do we refactor this in ways that are going to work via email or digital or social or via digital advertising. So it is all of these perspectives together to figure out how do we create something and then, you know, disseminate that and change it and refactor it in ways that are going to ultimately work. It's a very collaborative art and all of these perspectives are different. All of these viewpoints might be a little bit different, but it's all in service of the bigger picture. What is this thing that we're creating? What is the goal of the thing that we're creating and who ultimately is it for? It's not for us. As a business, we're not creating for ourselves. We're creating for an audience. We want to understand what their needs and their perspectives are. So there's also that sort of interesting facet where it's in collaboration with the audience. If they engage with it, great. Then, then that, that collaboration is successful. If they don't, then there's something not quite working with the balance of how we're, we're you know, quote unquote collaborating with them. So yet it is very, very much a, a collaborative art form. And we need to think about 
all of the players that need to have a, a say. At, at some points, in some cases, in some channels, there are individuals who take a, a more leading role. Maybe they're the soloist in a given in a given mm. situation, and everybody else needs to fit, fade back a little bit into the background. But all of us are working together to create whatever that you know, whatever that piece of music is or that composition is, because it's it is a very much you know a joint effort in that respect. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's really interesting. Like anyone who's been in a band or just played music with other people, which I include myself, you know, it, it's so much about the personalities of the people too, right? Like it, it doesn't really work if people don't get along together, if you just have totally different sensibilities and someone might be like highly skilled, like in a music setting, but if they're just not compatible with other people who don't, or, or don't do well playing with others, you know, it's not going to matter. It's going to kind of ruin. And I think in marketing teams, it's pretty similar as well. You need to be able to have trust in those around you that they're going to sort of take the baton when it's passed to them and, and make something meaningful of that interaction. But also there a, a level of trust that if you try something that doesn't work, that you're mm. not going to be out on a limb on your own, mm, right? It, yeah. A soloist isn't going to nail it every single time. You're you're practicing, you're learning new things, you're trying things out in performance that might not land, you know. And and yeah. the musicians around you can help sort of bring you back up, or you know, even plaster over mistakes when it's necessary. But it's 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 very much a a trust factor. You need to be able to trust that the group is there to service the song and service the composition. And yes, you're taking your moment, but it it is very much a a facet of do you trust those around you to, to row in the same direction and, and everybody's working towards the same goal and, or, or not? And the same mm -hmm. is true for marketing. Yeah. And, and do you, ha have you built that, that kind of trust in a way so that people can be honest with each other and without everything falling apart? Right. You know, like if you're working on a song or something, you're like, Oh yeah, why well, what about this? And people that you're playing with need to be able to say like, mm, that's okay. But what about this? And, and not just always validate what you think or, and, and you not getting too offended if people don't automatically like every deal you have. I mean, it definitely works that way in, in yeah. music. If you're, if you're going to create something good, you know, and I think like any creative endeavor, you need to be like, have enough ego to actually come up with ideas and think that they're good and want to support them, but not be so rigid that you can't pivot or take other people's, you know, constructive criticism. Yeah, the you, you can't hang your hat on the last idea you had. You always need to find ways of finding it in a group in a setting that that you, you trust the others to provide feedback in service of making something better versus it just being, well, I like this and I like that. <clears throat> so, we're just going to choose one of these two things. Well, how do you how do you bridge the gap between those ideas in service of creating something better? And as mm -hmm. long as that is ultimately the goal and you trust everybody's there for the right reasons, then you're able to, you know, pull back on certain things that, you know, maybe just aren't right for the context. Maybe your idea is a good one. It's just not good for this particular moment or this particular, you know, so it is, it's, you need to make sure in marketing and in, in, in music and whenever you're creating something that Everybody understands what it is you're trying to accomplish and, and who ultimately it's for. And if everybody has the goal, the same goal to create something meaningful and stand out and effective, then 
then the feedback is coming from a place of refinement versus it being, I don't like your idea. It's just, yeah. maybe that's not the right idea for this. Mm -hmm. Right. Now you said a few times that like in music and in, in marketing, the, you're creating something not just for the sake of creation, but to be either performed in music or for other people to, to hear and the same in marketing for other people to consume. Right. So always keeping that audience in mind. But at the same time, you also need to create stuff that's like new and sort of yours. And mm -hmm. it's not just derivative of what's already out there. Right. And I think in music, we often, I mean, there are different ways that can happen, but I think it often comes about through like a singular vision, you know, whether it's a band or usually, or even like a leader of a band who just has a distinctive style and is willing to cut across the grain of maybe what's currently popular, just really try something new. And I'm wondering if in, in like how that works in marketing or what marketers can take from musicians that really do new stuff and push the boundaries. Cause you know, for all the ways that we're talking about similarities, there are a lot of ways in which marketing is very different than music as well. Right. It's not the, obviously not the same yeah. exact thing, but when it comes to creating something, not just good, but something that really stands out, that's something that like is unique. Where, where do you see, how do you look at music and marketing in the same, in the same way? Yeah. I think it's important also to recognize that, almost everything is derivative of something else. And, and the same is true in music. There's only so many notes and so many opportunities to combine those things. The amount of popular songs that are built off the same four chords and the same progressions is, is, is really quite striking. And also, you know, also indicative of why we continue to come back to these things very familiar. So I think that's, that's an interesting thing is we all want to create something that is unique to us or, or, or representative of, of us. And as you're trying to create something new, how do you create something that is pulling from all of these different ideas and these things that you are, are consuming in the world, but not so far out of left field that people that you are looking to engage are going to be able to look at that thing or listen to that thing and say, I don't even know how to process that. So it's enough familiarity with enough new ideas to push something in a direction and be able to, to build novelty into that. I think the key there is consumption, just consuming a massive amount of information, listening to a lot of music, a lot of different styles, a lot of different of the greats. What are they doing? Understanding what they're doing. But the more inputs you have, the more ability you're going to have to create some level of output because you'll be able to connect these dots between one stylistic form and another and understand you know what people like about certain things what they don't like about other things i i had this this professor in college who, who used to have this mantra and um i think it's true in, in in both music as you're practicing and learning a style or or really anything in life and it was imitate assimilate innovate and mm. You know, I, I was a trumpet player all through college and, and before, and, you know, as I was learning new pieces and learning different styles, and a lot of it was here, here's a piece from somebody really great and somebody, a solo from a, a jazz musician or some sort of composition, a classical composition. 
And first and foremost, it is just, how do I learn this thing? How do I understand what's being done? How do I practice this you know, ad nauseum? How do I imitate what they're doing? And it's not just reading it on paper. It's also listening to recordings because some of it is just stylistic flair. It's not all on the page necessarily. So how do you imitate those ideas and those flares and the decisions that they're making enough where you can start to understand them? And then you can start to take and assimilate those ideas and those flares into your own approach. And you start mm -hmm. to build up this catalog and this, this, this Rolodex of, well, I can pull this from this person and this from this mm -hmm. other person. Yeah. If I'm creating a solo, more often than not, you're trying to pull these ideas together in the moment to say, oh, I really like this idea. And I really like this thing that this person did. So let me pull that in. And then I'll build this foundation around this other chord progression, which is really interesting. But you start to assimilate these ideas into the way that you think enough where you can then look back and start to innovate on top of it. What are the things that I can do a little bit differently and add my own little spin onto this thing? And you can't really do that part, the innovation part, if you don't have enough of a basis and a foundation to build upon. I think the same is true in, in business and in marketing, understanding what are teams doing that you find really effective and really engaging? What are the things that you resonate with? And trying to break down into those components, what's their tone of voice? What are the <laughs> forms that they're, they're putting their content out within? Is it all long form written and they're just doing that with some stylistic flair that's really engaging? Is it, you know, short form, more choppy copy that is keeping you just you're moving from line to line to line to line? Is it a mix of different media that's helping you better understand these ideas in, in a different way? So you need to understand from your own perspective, what do you feel like is working and how do you imitate some of those styles so that you can start to build up the skill set enough to then innovate new ideas on top of that? So I, I think that's a really effective way to find your style. It's consume a lot of style and understand what makes it that style so that you can start to build those ideas into your own creation. Yeah, that's, that's really great. I, so if, from a marketing perspective, I think that simply means, or you tell me looking at what your competitors are doing or just be keeping up with what's going on in the world of B2B content marketing and just consuming a lot of that stuff not just to yeah, that and, follow and, along and, and, what's, and imitate what's it. going on in content generally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, good point. Right. Not just marketing, but what's going on out there digitally in the digital content realm that you can learn from and be inspired by. Yeah, exactly. Well, Alex, the final question is, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm, I am certainly on, on the social media platforms of your choice. Primarily LinkedIn is a great place to find me. It's an easy one. You know, Alex Kelly, the person that's directed, or I mean, connected to the Sarah's company profile. Mm -hmm. That's probably the best place to find me, connect with me. I'd love to, to connect with anyone and speak about this more. And, and also just that tends to be where I share some, some writings or, mm -hmm. or thoughts as, as they come. Not as frequently okay. as I would like, but it's a, it's a, a focus for the new year. Okay, excellent. Well, that's where we found you on LinkedIn. So we'll uh, hopefully other people will find you there too. We're going to put a link to your LinkedIn bio in the show notes. And so Alex, thank you so much for sticking around and, and creating some content with us. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much, Jeremy. It's a lot of fun today. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. 
And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.